0: Hello, my name is Dennis Chung uh, from the Yale School of Medicine. Today I want to talk a little bit about a new machine learning score used to stratify risk for upper gastrointestinal bleeding that uh, myself and my colleagues have recently published in gastroenterology. Currently there are a number of available scores that can be used uh, to risk stratify for upper gastrointestinal bleeding. The most validated and useful score currently is the Glasgow-Blasford score, and this has been recommended on the most recent international guidelines for upper gastrointestinal bleeding. However, it has been shown that they have only very specific thresholds that are very helpful for practitioners in the community, which is basically very low risk thresholds. This is usually a Glasgow-Blasford score of zero or one And these scores are, while they do perform well in that they will have 100% or near 100% sensitivity for making sure that patients do not go home and have a need for intervention or need to be in the hospital, they do have limitations in that because they're so stringent, they actually only capture a small proportion of patients who are truly low risk. However, for these scores, Another challenge is usability, because these, especially the Glasgow Blatchford score, require you to remember a lot of the cutoffs and a lot of the variables just off the top of your head. Even if you use an online calculator, you are stuck inputting manually these numbers that you see as you take care of patients and then obtaining a score, but it takes quite a while for you to be able to manually input the numbers and then get a result and then remember how to interpret the result. So the availability of these scores and the ability to use them at the point of care is limited. Um, The most recent data that we have to suggest any amount of uptake is really from around 2014 by Dr. Saltzman and colleagues when they did a survey of Practitioners in the community, gastroenterologists and internists and emergency physicians, and only 30% of those surveyed actually have used uh, an upper GI bleeding score. So there's definitely a lot of challenges in implementing these scores. And as I mentioned before, these scores only capture a very small percentage of patients who are truly low risk. So the ideal for any physician taking care of patients is to give them the right care at the right time. And right now, the problem with gastrointestinal bleeding is that people who are non-gastroenterologists have limited experience, and they tend to admit patients for observation or for inpatient stay when they really are low risk and should be discharged and sent home. So from a physician's point of view, I wouldn't want my patient to receive unnecessary care in the hospital when they could be just as happy back home. From a systems point of view, having patients who are low risk taking up resources that could be used for higher risk patients uh, doesn't make sense and leads to a lot of unnecessary utilization and resource waste. So I think from uh, a gastroenterologist point of view, we all, always want and prefer our patients to be seen in the outpatient setting where we can give them safe anesthesia and you know make sure we can take a look at what's going on with them and help them navigate that. But it's not always the best thing for patients to be in the hospital for a necessary evaluation. From our reimbursement standpoint, uh, gastroenterologists are more and more being involved in this uh, idea of value-based care. So if we perform endoscopies on patients who are very low risk, number one, it unnecessarily exposes a lot of patients to anesthesia that they may not need. And number two, you know, they don't really add to any visible outcomes that would lead to improvement in patient health. So I think, you know, from a gastrointestinal bleeding perspective, we really want to be able to provide the best care at the right time to the right patient. And that is really, you know, the, the key motivating factor behind these scores is that if we find that they're very low risk, the right place for them is at home and then coming to see us in an outpatient clinic if they're sicker and they're actively bleeding and they could receive one of the interventions that can only be given in the hospital, then by all means they should be in the hospital and also undergo urgent endoscopic evaluation intervention. So in order to set up this study, we basically took four centers in the US and Europe uh, with patients who were prospectively entered into a registry for upper GI bleeding. These patients all had risk scores calculated. The common pre-endoscopic risk scores, including Crew batchford pre-endoscopic recall, and AIM65, and also had the outcomes that we were interested in, which is mortality, hemostatic intervention, or blood transfusion. So the way that we sort of thought about this was that if we want to compare apples with apples, we really want to compare machine learning models developed from data from US and European sites to the risk models, the Glasgow Blatchford, for example, was developed in Scotland. So Western populations, we wanted to make sure that we had a good sort of comparison. The next step we did was externally validate these machine learning models that were trained in these four US European centers on two centers in Asia Pacific. So one in New Zealand and the other one in Singapore. So presumably both the risk scores and our machine learning models would be seeing new data because they were obviously developed on western populations and non-asian pacific populations we initially did a methodological study where we looked at a variety of machine learning models so when you think about machine learning it's not just one thing it really encapsulates a variety of mathematical models that are used to find patterns in data so We looked over five different classes of machine learning models and basically created five different models for all of the outcome measures that I described. The outcome measure that was the most important that we ended up publishing on was a composite measure that took all three. 30-day mortality, hemostatic intervention, either endoscopic, surgical, or interventional, radiological, and also blood transfusion. Because this composite outcome really gives us the best idea of which patients need to be in the hospital and which patients could potentially be managed as an outpatient. When we compared the performance of the machine learning models to the clinical risk scores, we were able to see that some models performed better than others. And then subsequently, we developed the one model that really beat all of the other clinical risk scores, which is a gradient-boosted decision tree model we showed that it performed better overall than the Glasgow Blastford score for predicting the composite outcome for need for hospital stay. And it also performed significantly better in identifying low risk patients. So for example, um, previous guidelines have suggested a Glasgow Blastford score is zero to designate very, very low risk patients who can be discharged. And this is actually standard practice in several hospitals in Europe and the UK. If you have a Glasgow Blatchford score of zero, then you're sent home and then followed up with an outpatient endoscopy. When we compared our machine learning model at the cutoff um, that was similar to the GBS of zero, we were able to identify two and a half times more low risk patients than the Glasgow Blatchford score of zero. So this is preliminary data that suggests that if applied on a large population, of all comers coming with overt signs of upper GI bleeding, we could potentially send home two and a half times more patients instead of having them potentially stay in the hospital for, you know, 24 or 48 hours for observation. In order to make this not just a theoretical sort of benefit, uh, we actually have been able to host the machine learning algorithm on an app uh, that's online for anyone to access across the world. And to try your hand at looking at it and seeing if it does indeed follow your intuition. We also have a survey that's part of it, but I think the main thing is we want to make sure that people know that this is something that you can try out. Uh, Of course, it's experimental and obviously, you know, not recommended or validated in any way in any prospective trial, but at least you can put your hands on something that has been validated in a prospective registry data set. The implications of this study basically are twofold. So the first is a proof of concept that these machine learning tools can indeed perform better than what we've been using in the past. And this means that, you know, as we move forward, you know, these tools will become more and more prevalent, especially when we're trying to assess risk in anything that has clinical data uh, for gastroenterologists. The second implication is that now with electronic health records a lot of the data that before we had to write down or had to record somewhere manually is being automatically generated and populated Um, and because of this there's a very exciting prospect of integrating these machine learning models within the electronic health record which means that when you have a patient who's being evaluated in uh, the emergency room all of these field will automatically populate and calculate the score and provide the score to the provider who's seeing them in the emergency department. So as gastroenterologists, we may not even hear about low-risk patients until the next morning when they say, hey, you know, this patient came in, they're very low risk, and we want to make sure they follow up with you as an outpatient. So this cuts down on unnecessary calls in the middle of the night for patients who are truly low risk. It really helps Providers who aren't don't have much familiarity with GI bleeding, really be able to take care of patients in a much more higher level. um, To be able to say, okay, based on this algorithm and based on these factors, these patients can go home, and I'll make sure that they have follow up as an outpatient with their GI provider. One of the exciting new directions that I'm working on is basically not even looking at these sort of registry data, sort of painstakingly. Extracted by nurses and medical students, and even physicians are really seeing, you know, using electronic health records, we can just have structured data fields that are entered in routinely and use those to construct machine learning models that will hopefully perform better than any of the clinical risk scores that currently exist. By doing that, basically, you can make tools that are not just one tool to rule them all, one machine learning model to be used everywhere, but really customize local machine learning models that can really take into account your patient population, the epidemiology of your specific center, and really help predict people who come into your emergency room and not just people from across the world. I think that really is the future, is really personalizing the risk assessment for patients in different areas, because there's just so many things that could change that could make a general machine learning model Fail, and I think it's really important to think about how we can provide the best care to our patients. And that really is taking all the research that we have and knowledge that we have about the pathophysiology of GI bleeding, and you know the epidemiology and the clinical characteristics that are high risk, and boiling that down, customizing that for each specific center with their own electronic health records, so that it can be automatic customized to that center and those patients and as accurate as humanly possible. Several key takeaways messages to think about are number one, the increasing role of these new computational tools so machine learning algorithms in our clinical care. So understanding that these tools are very powerful and they are here to stay. Uh, they will be more and more part of our modern Practice of medicine. Number two, understanding how to really critically think about these tools because the reason our study was published was because we had very rigorous methodology. We made sure that we had external validation, we had thoughtfully constructed. The models and compared different models and made sure that we were doing everything as rigorously as possible. And that's not the case for a lot of the machine learning models that are being published here and there. So it's important for practitioners to start having an awareness of what makes a rigorously tested and validated machine learning model that they can trust. And the third thing is, the future is really not just in these complex models that you know will require more and more data but really it's a partnership between humans and computers. We can't keep track of the explosion of data that's out there, and really these are tools that can help boil down and condense all of these different sources of data into something that we can actually use at the bedside. And you know, these tools, again, are just tools. They're not meant to supplant physicians, they're not meant to replace anybody, but really they're meant to help physicians make better decisions for their patients. And that's what I hope that this paper will give you a glimpse into, is the future of using tools to provide better patient care. Thank you for listening today. I hope this is a helpful introduction to machine learning, um, and have a good day.